0: Step right up folks, see if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. Welcome everybody to Golf Picks with the Plotniks, the podcast edition. A little bit different than we typically do it. This will be how we get you guys your golf information moving forward. This is myself, the pig. I'm joined by the farmer, Jared, Golf Picks with the Plotniks podcast edition. How we doing? Doing great.
1: New season. We had a huge week off, so I'm nice and refreshed. You know, we needed some uh, some free time with no golf. But with that being said, the wraparound season is here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the off season. It was really great to yeah, uh, we
1: had so much off time. We were able to just make multiple trips, not do any research with golf. Nope, that's the beauty of golf. You don't get much time off except December.
0: You know, the one thing to think about, though, although we didn't have golf for one singular week and that's was technically the off season we've really only had a few tournaments in like of late that were you know that were 36 hole cuts we've been doing you know 72 hole no cut tournaments for the last 3 4 weeks and that changes the whole complexity of betting changes the whole complexity of you know kicks for example and all those different factors so it's nice to actually have a real tournament where you got to dig a little bit deeper this week. The field is pretty shitty, and we've only got about three guys that are ranked in the top 25 in the official world golf ranking, so it's not exactly the same as what we've been dealing with over the last month or two. Oh,
1: this is uh, kind of the fields where I find most of my winners, actually, so I prefer these fields where you don't have to just choose between the 50 f- best golfers in the world. Now you can find some uh, diamonds on the rough a little later down the board.
0: All right. Well, so how we're going to go about this is typically how we used to do it on Instagram live for you guys. i going to give you a course breakdown, talk a little bit about you know the betting board, talk about who we like. And then as usual, we will post our cheat sheet to Twitter, to Instagram, so that you guys can see everything that we're going to take, matchups, first round leaders, any prop bets, top 10s, top 20s, et cetera. But let's just jump right into it, honestly. So we are going to Week one of the season is the Fortinet Championship. I have no fucking idea what Fortinet is as a company, by the way. I don't either, and I don't care. That's not what I'm here for. (laughs) So this is taking over for the Safeway Open. That's been the name of the tournament for the last five years or so. It's played at Silverado Resort and Spa, which is out in Napa Valley. Nice wine country. So I'm sure some of the golfers that missed the cut are going to enjoy their sports. Their time at the vineyards, you know, drink a little vino, even if you make the cup, maybe you'll still do that, fuck it, right?
1: You never know, yeah, and uh, as we'll get into it, for that reason, it's, I feel like maybe this tournament for some rather than others is more of a vacation than it is a
0: business trip. And speaking of which, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, this tournament is headlined by John Rom. he's really the only top player in the field, I have no idea why he's playing this week. I certainly don't know what Fortnite is, so I don't know if they are sponsor him or something, and that's why he had to show up, but he's got the Ryder Cup literally next week. so the only other reason I can think of because that's going to be in Wisconsin. He's going to California. I guess it's close by. He's, I mean, I don't even think he lives in Spain year-round, so to me, it doesn't really make much sense as to why he's playing this week. Anyways, he's headlighting the week at 3-1 to one odds, which is just absolutely <laughs> insane. And then outside of that, the top guys in the field are Webb Simpson, Kevin Knob, Hideki Matsuyama. We got big uh, Will Zalatoris, who just won Rookie of the Year honors. And that really kind of headlines the top of it, you know, from 20 to one or below, really. But I guess that's kind of where we'll start our discussion before we talk about the course a little bit. But any thoughts on the top of the board?
1: Yeah, absolutely. um, If... We've done this show now for almost a year. Um, I mean, I've been getting betting golf a lot longer than that, and I will say this with definitive certainty here. There is no worse value in the history of golf that I have seen since I've started betting on it than John Rahm at 3-1 to one odds in a 159-man event. Does that mean that there's no way he can win? Of course not. That's Of course he can still win. He's been the hottest and best player in the world. I don't even know that uh, how he didn't even win player of the year, but that's another conversation for another day. But my point being, there is no way in hell I'm ever taking a John Rom three to one the week before a Ryder Cup when he's out there just because his wife wanted to go drink wine in Napa Valley, All right? He's out there, he's been drinking. He, There's no way he's <laughs> taking this seriously. Um, does, again, does that mean he can go not go out and just slaughter the field by seven? Of course he can. He's the best player in the world. But there is no way in hell. I am ever betting him at three to one here. This, it's, I've never seen a more obscene line in my golf betting career.
0: Honestly, even betting guys in 159-man field at top 10 or top 20 at 3-to-1 is something I would never do, just the way I bet. I mean, let's just like give people a little bit of insight, and maybe they're tuning in for the first time, But you know, if you, or if you're tuning in now because you realize how good we were last year, you got to realize we hit about 12 winners. And every single winner that you and I hit, I mean, I hit 9, I think you hit around 9 or 10, but combined 12 different golfers we hit, mm-hmm. all above 20-to-1. What does that say?
1: yeah we're, I mean we're not just sitting here and taking the top three guys on the odds every week we can just say we'd win we could we would have won 20 last year if we did that but we also would have lost a lot more money. So there's a lot easier way to sl- there's no way John Roms winning this uh, tournament one out of every three times. It is like statistical like redic- that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I don't care that th- how f- soft the field is there's still world class players and it's golf. I mean anyone can have a pop week. these are guys are professionals.
0: Yeah, so I was listening to a different podcast and one thing that a guy mentioned that I thought was really an interesting way to look at it was at the end of the day in the, in these scenarios, if you're just a casual bettor, like you literally just do it, you maybe bet $10 a week on a golfer just for literal shit to watch some of the best players in the world. Maybe it's okay. Throw it on John Rom just for shit. It's just a fun little bet. But if you're a grinder like we are, and you're you got a pretty decent bankroll to put on golf bets, and you're doing real research each each week, you're never taking anything under, in my opinion, under ten to one ever in general. But besides that, I mean, you you're always looking for true value because you are a grinder. You want to watch some of these guys that people have never even heard of and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that throughout the show.
1: Yeah, that just gets to my points. It's the first time we're doing this for the first year just kind of how I do things. I know you've talked about in the past, you do it differently but just to let everyone out there know typically my philosophy and the way I just align my card, it could I mean to your point, let's just say I love someone at 10 to 1 and I don't see much value later in the card I've no, <laughs> I have not. I think I've only done this like once in the last 5 years of me betting golf but let's just say I did. I only like to wager between 5 to 6 units per golf event I, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm going to only take I'm going to take three golfers, I'm going to take eight golfers. It all depends on the odds that they are there. So I'm going to risk different amounts based on the odds of guys I am taking. right? So if I love someone at 10 to 1, I may just put four units on him and then I only have one other golfer on my card. That's why I normally don't do it because you want more chances in loaded fields. So, um, as, and again, as we'll get into this week, uh, I mean, I only... This tournament was a little iffier for me, a long layoff for a lot of these guys, a lot of new guys from the Corn Ferry Tour that were just promoted. So I, I only, on my card this week, I'm risking four units as opposed to my five or six I normally do in a different field. But if I liked John Rom, which no way in hell I would, I'd have to put seven units on just him, and he'd be the only person on my card. There's no way I'd ever do that, like value-wise and how, how I do it mathematically in order to make money at this.
0: Absolutely. And that, at the end of the day, that's what this is about, is making money. So let's just jump right into this tournament itself. It's the Fortinet championship, like I said, previously known as the Safeway Open. It's played at Silverado Resort and Spa. The north course there is a par 72. It's only 7,100 7, yards for a par 72, a.k.a. for people out there, that is extremely short. There are po- uh, four par fives, all four gettable. So you're going to see a lot of birdie opportunities, a lot of eagle opportunities on the par fives. Um, we're going to be playing on POA greens this week on the West Coast since we're in California. That is typically what you'll see. And um it's tree lined so oak trees if you actually you know look at the landscape of the course it is just all trees and it's just wide open there's some rivers that run through the course but none of them really come into play so no water hazards at the end of the day the real thing to know about this course and you can read more about my write-up about exactly how this course fits and the way that it's going to play this week on betthefarmpod.com where i have already posted an entire article breaking down the course but the main things to know are Scoring is going to be pretty easy. So between minus 15 and minus 20 is where we've seen the last five winners. And I think that, you know, as golf progresses and guys hit the ball further and can bomb and gouge out of the, the rough, the scores are only going to get lower and lower. So the things to realize here, G.I.R. percentage really high, 68%. Tree-lined fairways are a lot harder to hit so that's going to be the thing to focus on is off the tee 10% harder to hit fairways than the tour average this week so tour average is um, 62% here it's only 52% I mean so just do the math there I mean you're only going to be hitting half your fairways I mean the field is only going to be hitting about half the fairways so That is cool and all, and it sounds like that makes it a difficult course, but the rough isn't going to do much to you. These guys are so good, and they hit it so long, and they're going to have wedges in their hand. So that takes you to the next point. Got to be really good with their wedges and short irons. The statistics show that 17 to 18% of shots come from 100 to 175 yards. Mainly, and even 150 to 175 is a little bit lower, but 17% of approaches come from 100 to 150 yards or so. So it's really just short irons and wedges. The other thing to notice here is scrambling percentage is extremely high, so it's easy to get up and down. So even if you miss the greens, you're not going to have much trouble because the rough isn't going to be penalizing you. There's some bunkers on the course that hug the greens, but that's still not something that's going to deter you from scoring here. Scoring is going to be at a premium. That kind of breaks down the course for the most part. There are six par fours between 400 to 450 yards. So that's certainly something I factored in. And, um, you know, when I ran my model, a lot of weird names came up because the field is so weak. So let's just jump kind of into the betting board. And we already talked about, you know, the guys at the top of the board, the John Roms, even the Webb Simpsons at 14 to 1 and Kevin Naw is at 16 to 1. Mm. How absurd is that?
1: Guy's been on fire.
0: Yeah, but 16-1, to even with his win equity, which I think he's won three or four tournaments in his career, that's still extremely... If you took that, I would probably smack you in the face. No, we may get physical in here. 16 to 1 that'd be wild so we'll see i mean you mentioned you're only using four units of your six units so i'd be very surprised if you took kevin off based off of that so i'll just kind of preface that but speaking of which i mean after that we get to the 20 to uh, 20 to 1 range we got hideki will zalatoris and that's really it so is there anybody in this range so far that you what are your thoughts on them is there anybody that stands out to you
1: yeah um you mentioned him a little earlier it's not Kevin now, so you're lucky I'm not getting slapped in the face. Yeah, I just can't do that with Kevin. No, I love him. Great form. Perfect kind of course that I like him for normally, which is a short one where he can show off that wedge game. And uh, I'll get hot with the putter, but there's no way in hell I'm taking him at 16-1. I look at that top end, and yeah, like I said, I'm only risking four units this week, and 1.75 of them are going to be used on a guy in this top end. And, um, Brandon, who do you think it is? Let's just say from 1.75 of my four units are going this one golfer who is it
0: knowing you i'm gonna go with hideki matsuyama
1: you are (laughs) correct hideki matsuyama here brandon from the top end of this range He is easily the one that just spits out to me value, and that's the only thing I'm really looking for. These guys have been off for a little bit. Um, One thing I always love about Hideki, I don't like backing him on Bermuda grass. That's easily his worst putting surface, so when I can get him on a POA course, one where he can just get razor hot with his irons and wedges and just dominate. I love it. guy was playing really well before the Tour Championship. He, he was gaining with irons, gaining off the tee. His irons were on absolute fire. But I think he played six weeks in a row. You could tell he burned out at the end. And um, in East Lake, he was not good. But also, that's on Bermuda grass, so I'm just gonna forget about that. Not a big deal to me. Um, he's had time off, and just value-wise, he's better than all the golfers ahead of him, not John Rahm. Why is Kevin Na, and Webb Simpson, and even like Will Zalatoris? I kind of liked him, but he's the exact. Same, he's 22 to one next to Hideki. I mean, come on. I know Will Zalatoris is a big up and comer, um, and a lot of good things going for him. Solid course fit for him, but there's no way in hell I'm taking Will Zalatoris ahead of Hideki Matsuyama to win an event. It's just not going to happen. So. Um, When I was looking at this card, I have seven golfers on my card, Brandon, and that just shows you how many long shots I'm taking after this. But I thought from the front end, the one guy I actually saw value with was Hideki, and uh, I'll be riding him.
0: Yeah, so a few things to note about Hideki here. Two top three finishes at this tournament before. I mean, they were back in 2013, 2014 as a young spring spring chicken coming up on tour, but still love to see that he also has another top 25. He did miss the cut in 2019, but good to see some recent form. The other thing to mention, I know you talked about that he's a terrible putter on Bermuda. There is only one putting surface that he gained strokes on ever in his career, and it's on Poa, so that... Coming from Japan, growing up on that type of grass is very similar to the West Coast grass. So that's another thing to notice. And then, like you mentioned, he teetered off at the end of the year. So he actually um, gained 2.6 strokes on his approach over his last 10 rounds, or, or sorry, his last 10 tournaments of the year. In one of those tournaments, he lost almost five strokes. So, if you really factor in the rest of those tournaments. Yeah, there's like
1: four in a row. If you're looking on there, there was like 6.9, was 4.3. Six, yeah. three,
0: he was on fire. There so. was another one with six. So, yeah. The Irons were there, but unfortunately, he has lost strokes putting in one, two, three, four, five, six of his well, last That's always nine. what you're going to get with a decky, right? Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm looking for him on his preferred surface, and if I get him just to gain two strokes putting, he wins this tournament.
0: There's a few years ago
1: I read when Grillo and Kevin Na went to a playoff, they both lost strokes putting. It's not a course where you really have to, like, of course, being hot with the putter is always going to help, don't get me wrong, but if you're really locked in with your irons, like a decky can get when he's playing his A game, he's not even going to have, all he'll have to do is gain a stroke or two, and he's going to win. So, I don't know, at 22-1, to 1, I just thought, uh, in this kind of field, he, he was a good value.
0: Absolutely. So, f- I'll go ahead and uh, I'll rattle off. I actually have a guy at the top of the board here as well, I similar to you. I, I do bet similar to you. I don't have an ex- exact number that I play each week, but uh, based off of where I am betting on the odds board, similar mm-hmm. to what you mentioned, is how I decide who I'm taking that week. So, uh, the first name that stood out to me is, and we've discussed him already, Web I know Simpson. you said that you... At fourteen-one, no way. Oh, you know, uh You already mentioned him, and you said you could never do it, but I'm still gonna bet on the reigning rookie of the year. So he was unbelievable last year. Bursted onto the scene after the runner-up finish at the Masters. Had three top ten finishes at majors. Had eight top ten finishes on the entire year, which is just incredible for a rookie. He's only twenty-six. The kid's a phenom. Outside of that, uh, he grew up in San Francisco, so you know that he's, uh, he's a West Coast guy. He's familiar, at least. And actually, of the West Coast courses that they played last year, the Premier ones, uh, they played Torrey Pines. He finished 7th there. They played Riviera, finished 15th. So I love to see that because those are both poet courses as well. So it's good to see that he's great on the West Coast side of things. He's really great off the tee. So he's um, last year, he actually ranked... Uh, 23rd in driving distance and ranked 12th in tee to green so the guy's really good with his driver which is going to be really important this this week and it doesn't hurt that he ranks seventh in the field in par five scoring which i think is going to be massive because eagles are going to be plentiful and he's gonna you know you're gonna have to do that so i love where he's at with the par fives obviously he's got the similar flaws of decky the guy can't putt but This is his best putting service as well on POA. So he's going to be a top five betting favorite this week. That's cool. But I just think that he has only one professional win. That was on the Corn Tour. But this is only his... He technically never had his PGA Tour card last year. He just earned it this offseason. So this will be his first true PGA Tour event with a PGA Tour card. And it would just be apropos that this is the tournament that he won. Because last year he played on Sponsors Exemptions all year long and dominated the tour.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I, like I, I prefaced, when I, all I said was when he's the same number as Hideki, I'm not doing it. If I had access to a 28 or a 30 on him, I w- would have taken him instead of Hideki. But like we talk about, for value and just the way I bet, I just couldn't see myself taking him over Hideki Matsuyama. That's all.
0: All right, well, let's move to the 30 to 1 range. It's led by Cameron golly at 30 to 1, Charlie Hoffman 35 to 1. That's about it for the 30 to one range I don't think either of us are really gonna have anything much to say I do like Charlie Hoffman he popped extremely high in my Mm -hmm. in my models more of a DraftKings play I don't think he's got the win equity for me similar to Tringali I just think that these guys are really good guys that you could take in DraftKings but not people that I want to bet on an outright bet on especially a 30 35 to one these guys in a regular field are 80 and 90 to one
1: Sometimes, yeah, but, I mean, Hoffman has been fantastic. I, I had an eye on him. I just, at that number that I had was, was like a 35. I couldn't pull the trigger. Um, if I had a 50, he probably would have been on my card. But, again, this is where you got to, like, make your decisions, and um, making decisions like that over the long haul of the year is how I remain profitable. So I missed out on him. I have nothing until the high 50s, actually.
0: I was just going to mention, so getting to the 40 to 50 to 1 range, We're getting to Harold Varner at 40, Sebastian Munoz 45 to 1. Your boy Cameron Champ, a defending champion here only a few years back, at 45 to 1. Mita Pereira at 50 to 1. And as we get up to the 55 to 1s, we get to Grillo, like you mentioned, was in a playoff. He also won this tournament um, five years ago, his first ever PGA Tour start, similar to Sal Taurus. So that was another correlation. And Max Homa, Cesarevi, tell us who it is that stood out to you in this range. Because for myself, I didn't really like any of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, no one really popped to me there. I know you're, you're reading predominantly um, our future sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. But um, I actually had access on another book. And it's my second bet at 59 to 1. And I got, I mean, my homer, it's just a homer pick, Mito Pereira. And um, 59 to 1 for him there's one stat I just saw that really stuck out to me but look I don't have to anyone that's been a long time listener uh, especially at the end of last year heard me betting on him every single week and we had a great run with him at the Olympics and hit a plus 1600 uh, top five bet on him and we should have hit a bronze medal bet on him when he had a 10footer for to win the bronze and miss but either way he's been profitable for me thus far the guy won three times on the corn uh, ferry Tour last year. He was already been competing on the P.J. tour, and he bur- he got burnt out at the end, like we talked about. He played seven straight tournaments, including flying to Tokyo and back, and playing nonstop. Now he's had like a full month off. He's regrouped, he's refreshed, and a stat I saw, which is fantastic. They said his season de- they, in his season debuts since he's become professional, when he's had like over like a, a month off before a new season. In his first event, he's finished second, third, and fourth in f- three separate years. So, saying so I mean that has something to go with my point where he just has got a f- full month off after playing seven straight weeks. He's recharged. He's ready to go. He's playing in a weaker field, and I think he's going to be. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he's those in those 24 rounds he just played on the PJ Tour. Only like John Rom can't lay. And three of the other studs had better numbers than him. Tita Green, uh, or just strokes gained in general. He was playing such good golf that uh, I just I have to ride him here in this field at at, at that 59 to one number.
0: Yeah, I mean the only st- look his stats are a little skewed when you try to look him up on strokes gained metrics because he only main mainly played on the the. Tour. Yeah, I'm
1: talking only about his PGA Tour starts that he's had. There's only like five. Yeah, I mean,
0: he start, had about seven starts, missed three cuts, and had a fifth place uh, fifth place finish at the Barbasol, sixth place at the 3M Open, 34th at John Deere. So it's it's good to see that he is good against bad fields. Well, also I know keep in mind
1: it, and the one thing that that stroke teams isn't going to show it. That's against some of the best golfers in the world. So.
0: Yeah, uh, I was just saying the one thing that kind of looked ugly to me on paper is he doesn't tend to putt well on the post surfaces. You know he's from Chile. I'm, I'm assuming that that's more bankrupt no, no, I heard from that from like
1: Niemann loves like these tree-lined courses because that's how ch- like all the Chile courses are. That's kind of another point. Thanks for bringing that up actually, because yeah, when we were I forgot what um, tournament was like six eight weeks ago when we took Neiman. I was doing some research and I found out that he he literally was saying that he loves these kind of course. Actually, that it was for the Olympics because he was saying how he's looking forward to it because the course set up just like the course he plays at home. And as for people that don't know, Mito Pereira is also Chilean, so um, I think that's a it's a good Fit for him, and again, like you, you're getting into the statistics here on him. I didn't really look into him that deep. I just knew how he played because he, uh, it's such a small sample size. There's not really anything there. It's just more about his talent compared to the guys around him. And at 59 to one, um, I like him this week.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to the above the 50 to one range and up to the 60 to one range where my second bet is in this area so the guys in this area we're gonna be looking at Maverick McNeely, Doug Gim, Pat Perez, Taylor Gooch, Brennan Todd and right off the, uh, the bat the first one that stood out to me is Doug Gim so I'm gonna be taking him at 60 to one I really like Doug Gim I actually got him at 70 to one but he's 60 to one right now a few different reasons i love him another i'm going to keep going with the narratives and that's typically how i bet and hey it works for me but uh, a really great west coast player he's not from the west coast but over his uh, career he's played really well on the west coast uh putts really well on poa that's the one putting surface that he puts well on so that's a, i'm always going to factor these types of things in um finished 14th year last year and his only start so i love the the course history and at the end of the day what really stood out when it came to the numbers was the wedge play and the wedges are going to be at a premium this week, and his wedges are just unbelievable probably one of the best iron and wedge players on the pga tour i think i saw a stat that he had um sorry his uh, strokes game approach game last year was better than john roms if you look at the numbers which is just an insane thing to think about that just shows that i mean obviously the rest of the game's not there but he's decent off the tee ranks 10th in the field off the tee in the last 24 rounds we'll take that and 70 to 1 i mean it's a long shot Did you take doug game i think that this is the type of guy that would win this kind of event
1: for for your um, just for your benefit, I hope I'm mooshing this in your direction. But I think you're turning into Doug Gim the way you were with Tony Finau uh, over the last three years, where you just keep hammering on, him, betting him, betting him, betting him, and then that one week you take off, he goes out and wins a WGC. So <laughs> I'm just saying, because you you I, you backed him a lot last year, you liked Doug Gim a lot. That's all I'm saying. I hit on Finau. Well, not. In- indirectly, you, it was not an official pick. We're on this golf picks with the Plotniks show. You did not say on golf picks with the Plotniks you were taking him that week.
0: And you know what I did? I had FOMO and I took it at midnight that night. And guess what? It hit because FOMO bets are what I'm going to do. Doug Gibb, yes, he's <laughs> turning into one of those guys where I'm going to f- hit him on a FOMO bet eventually.
1: Hey, like I said, I hope I moosh it for you. That's all I'm saying. But I'm saying, See, but at least just with turned- fee
0: now, is 45 to one and not 25 or 28 to one. The luxury of Gim, not that he's knocked on the door like Finau ever did, the amount of times that he runner up for me or top five was absolutely insane. But uh, Gim's got the tools, and I think that 70 to one's a decent number for him this week. And let me just follow right back up with a guy that I got at 60 to one. I went with Gim just because they're both technically 60 to one right now. But the other guy I love in this range is. Pat Perez. I'm actually going to put a, a little wager on him as well. Guy's in unbelievable form. I mean, he's 45 years old, but somehow the guy is playing the best golf of his career. Four top ten finishes in his last six tournaments. I You would never have thought that, but the, the guy's just been striping the ball. He... A lot of the things that stood out of my model crushes par fives, number one in the field, and strokes gained on par fives over the last 24 rounds on the field. Puts really well on po well, he puts really well on every surface. The guy, if you go look at his putting stats, I mean, he gains strokes putting every week. It's unbelievable. Really got to get that iron game going. And, and the problem for him, obviously, is he is one of the shortest hitters on tour. You know, he's one of those guys that's self-deprecating in a comedic way where he makes fun of himself kind of like kevin kisner about how he hits a short there's no way he could contend there he's one of those guys but he tends to play well this time of year when the we, uh, fields are weaker and where well he's
1: a west coast guy too he's always used to i mean he's five years ago Vegas when i was paying attention to golf that was the one thing i always uh, heard he would always come to play on the west coast at the beginning of the season because that's where he's from and comfortable so
0: yeah, and uh, top, he had a top-ten finish here last year, so gained seven strokes putting that week. I mean, that's kind of an anomaly, but that means that maybe, you know, sometimes it, there's certain courses that meet pe- people's eye. For example, Jordan Spieth in the Masters, you know, very extreme example, but it, you need to get my oh, yeah.
1: I could definitely see the, the Spieth-Pat Perez comparison there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I have nothing in this range and nothing against you. It's just I have five guys between 100 and 130 to 1. And in my opinion, it's just like I, I thought the whole 60 to 130 range were all very, very similar players. So I opted to go for five of the guys between 100 and 130 instead of two of the guys in the 60s.
0: Can you tell me why this guy named Chad Ramey, who I've never heard of, is 70 to 1? Yeah, he's it's a, a guy that they
1: Yeah, I, I read like a whole article on, on the the 25 guys who got promoted and he was like... The guy listed his top 25, he was like seven or something. So he's a a guy I'm sure we're going to be learning a lot more about in the upcoming months
0: yeah I mean you kind of and another thing to talk about is a bunch of these guys that graduated from the Corn Fairy Tour they're all going to be starting at these types of tournaments try to build up some FedEx Cup points try to make some money of course and just you know get their feet wet on the tour in the same range you got guys like Aaron Rye who's actually coming from the European Tour but uh, got his card from the Corn Fairy Tour finals Lucas Herbert as well got his tour card I think he'll be an interesting guy to watch I, I think he's one of the guys that's really great off the tee bombs the ball but the rest of his games atrocious um, who else is in this Taylor Pendrith a lot of people are talking about but I, I'm not taking any of these guys I mean I need to see some true data that's how I bet so yeah. that being said yeah I mean the only other name to talk about that has good course history here and, and under 101's Phil Mickelson you know the Reigning PGA champion, yeah, he has really good cor- uh, course history here, but he fits the exact narrative for what you said. Yeah. He's out there just fucking yeah, have a He's drinking a lot of
1: wine, yeah. He'll just be having a good time. Um, Phil showed us one week of good golf. Uh, I'm not touching him at 81.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only time to touch him is a 200 to one at a major, apparently.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's not to say. He can, of course, he can come out here and pop. I just there's He's shown us nothing over the last few months that makes me want to take him.
0: All right, can I guess your next bet?
1: Well, I, told, I already gave you a hint. There's five between 100 and 130. So go for it.
0: Kierdeck Jaffe Barret is one.
1: He of course is one, but he's he's at 110. But, yes, so we'll start with him. Kiridek, Affy Barnab, my hero. Again, these are (laughs) – I took five of these, Brandon, all for a quarter of a unit each. So these are all just long shots. I'm not very confident in them. But it's guys that I can make a case for at long numbers in a soft field. And Kiridek, I can make a great – like, the guy – I mean, we love him. Anyone that knows us, uh, friends of the pod, knows that – I call him my hero as well alongside Sung J M. I've gotten two selfies with him on the 18th hole at um, our, our home course down here, the Honda Classic. Guy's very friendly. He's also known as a sex iguana. He blows just clouds <laughs> of smoke. If you don't know who he is and you're listening, please uh, Google him. And if you can't spell his name because you probably can't, just type in, try as easy as you can to type in Affie Barnrat and just no, put no, golfer they- at the end.
0: No, no, no. Just type in "sexy iguana." <laughs> yeah. I,
1: uh, honestly, I don't think that name has become mainstream yet, but it will after he wins the Safeway Open or whatever, or the Fortinex or whatever the hell you want to call this event. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. The Fortinex. The guy just came in second place over in Europe last week before that. He choked. He okay, it's that. fine. Whatever. He was getting ready to win this week. But with that being said, before that, he um Corn he had Fairy. to play on the Corn Ferry Tour just to get his card back for this year because he was so bad the last two years on the PGA Tour. And he played great. He's been in great form. And he last week was no just um bullshit European Tour event. Like he played with a lot of really good players. Billy Horschel ended up be- beating him by one shot. Again, another really good player over from the PGA Tour. So I mean, there's not real much. I mean. I didn't even look at his stats, I just assumed there probably wouldn't be much because it was played on the Court Ferry and two. Last week they normally don't have him over in Europe. But I he's obviously playing really well, and at hundred ten to one, I love him. Why not?
0: Yeah, nice bias play there. Similar to so so far you got two bias yeah, plays with I, him and Mito. Yeah. Well no, Mito the
1: the, the fact supported and what I gave you, that was like I, I honestly was when I, We talked a few days ago. I was like, I don't even think I'll be taking him this week. Too much hype. But then I saw a 59 number. At 50, I probably would have been out. But, I mean, like I said, the recent form and the fact that he has – when I read that stat of him off a layoff starting a season, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if,
0: it's like we talked about. If you're going to give me guys like Harold Varner or yeah. Charlie Hoffman or Cameron Champ ahead of – I mean, I know some of those guys have win equity, Sebastian Munoz, but – I just feel like he has a better chance to win than those guys. Yeah, no, even though they're And and I get a
1: longer number on him. So I don't think that that was, it is kind of a homer play, but it was more of just he's become a homer due to his numbers and how he's performed. It's not really anything else. Kierdeck, that's a lot more of a homer play, and I'm more willing to do that at 110 to 1.
0: All right. My 110 to 1 play is Hammer and Hank Lebiota, another one close, near and dear to our hearts, FSU Seminole. Alumni, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, the guy has just been in unbelievable form. I mean, we saw how many top 10 finishes he had and how many top 20 finishes he had last year. He (coughs) similar to what you were talking about earlier to with Hideki. He just got burnt out at the end of the year and he missed a few cuts. But prior to that, was having one of the best seasons on tour out of any of the young up and comers. Uh, The main things that stood out to me is approach play. His wedge play and his par 5 scoring absolutely all popping in all the models. Uh, funny enough, kid was born in Orlando, went to Florida State which is in Tallahassee, Florida, both in Florida, yet he putts horribly on Bermuda Greens and putts amazing on Poet Greens. Well, you never know. I know. It's very odd. And uh, The other thing that I actually factored in, not to my models, but when I was digging deep into guys, because there's a way to actually look this up, where you can categorize actual events, whether the the field was poor, m- average, or really good, and he actually dominates in poor fields. So his strokes gain numbers in poor fields is very high compared to playing in tougher field events. So I think that at 110 to one, I can see this guy having a breakthrough win.
1: I was wondering if we we're gonna make it through this podcast um, today with not not having one same pick, but we won't because I'm on Hammer and Hank too. Yeah. 110 to one, everything said. Like again, the guy was in great form. Um. Other thing that, the one thing you didn't mention that that I liked about him as well is he's a type of player I'd much prefer on a shorter track, and this is a shorter track. He's not known as one of the biggest hitters off the tee. He's not the best off the tee. Um, but I just, we get his hot putter going on this POA. I think, I mean, the guy showed us a lot at the l- end of last season, 110 to 1. I like it.
0: I've only got one more on my card, and it's a 200 to 1, so I'll let you go wow. if you got someone before. Yeah, so I've got
1: three more in the same range. I'll make it quick. I went 100 to 1 with Brendan Steele. The guys won this event two years in a row, actually. It was a few years ago when he, he did it, he went back to back here. And he, I mean, the guy is just always good to degree. I like players who these long numbers that have a good eye for a, a track, and he likes his track a lot. It's not like he's a bad player or that he's been like in an atrocious form really to end the year. He was nothing special, but 100 to one, why not? I'll do that. Um, and my third, 110 to one guy, and he owes me a little revenge for him blowing that back nine lead when I took him at 250 to one a couple of months ago, Brandon. And his name is Adam Shank. Going back to Adam Shank, he blew it for me when he had the lead. Could have won a big ticket with a lot of money. He decided he wasn't ready to win, but the guy who's been playing fantastic golf. Another guy in these shitty fields too, who plays really well. So 110 to one. I like Adam Shank the way he's striking the ball, putting the ball. And last but not least, at 130 to one, guy who almost uh, punched his ticket all the way to East Lake, but just came up short. And that's Hudson Swafford, 130 to one. Guy's been playing fantastic golf. Uh, if His form's gone. I'm surprised he's even this long of a number with the form he's been in recently. But and he's got win equity. Yeah, I mean the guy's won a few times. He won early in the swing season last year. Um, if he puts it all together, we all know. I mean we know he can win on the PGA Tour. So
0: those are my seven golfers. GLTA. Yeah, I'm gonna round it out with a 200-1 bomb here.
1: I already know this.
0: People have no idea who this guy probably is. A common golfer, just a common golfer. You probably know who he is, but. Um, he he shares, a sh- uh, shares a similar last name to um, a QAnon supporter on PGA Tour, Scott Piercy. His name is Cameron Percy. Older gentleman, but this guy absolutely dominates this track. And he is in one of the nastiest iron forms I've ever seen from a no-name I've ever seen in my life. I'm not even joking. <laughs> no, like Legitimately, he has gained over four strokes on his approach in four of his last six events. That's pretty insane to do. And then on top of that, in the last 50 rounds, he ranks number two in the field in stroke skiing approach. So the the iron game is there. The putter is one of the worst things I've ever seen. I mean, it just bleeds on my computer. It's so red in terms of how many strokes (laughs) he loses putting. But one thing that you love to see is of all of the putting services, like I'll say, I'm a broken record over here, the one he loses the least amount on is on poa so at least there's that all right 201 why not um and also great course history he's played really well here so let me see i'll just pull it up real quick he has uh, 23rd a 7th and a 26th it is only three starts here so i love that and um and you know what's crazy actually in 2020 so last year he finished 23rd and he gained six strokes putting now, if we could put the two together, I mean, maybe we'll. We're, maybe, yeah, maybe we're talking. What's
1: the magic you got to look for?
0: I'm just saying. After all this whole conversation, I just got a feeling that a bomb is gonna, like a bomb long shot is gonna win this week. And a guy like John so. Rom, if you can on a book, if your book allows it, take John Rom to miss the cut. Like guys like that, the top of the board. Uh, I wouldn't take Webb Simpson because I think this course is so fucking beautiful for Webb Simpson. But like I like we were talking about, John Rahm's already looking forward to the Ryder Cup next week. I still don't know why he's playing. I mean, the kid—he just had a kid too, so I can't imagine he's having that much fun right now. I don't know, but I'm certainly not taking him. I'll tell you that much. Fortnite Championship 2021. This is the beginning of the 2022 season, as they'll call it. But this was Golf Picks with the Plotniks podcast edition. This is how we're gonna do it every week. We'll do them. We record Tuesday nights. They'll be out late Tuesday nights or early Wednesday morning, depending on where you live. And we look forward to giving you guys a bunch of winners this year yet again, because last year was one of uh, it was my record breaking year. Hit a bunch of winners.
1: Yeah, well, it's behind us now. It's time to break that record
0: again. All right. Exactly. And we'll release the betting card, the cheat sheet, to give you our first round leaders as well, and some of our matchup plays and um, some additional bets that we like. So that's going to do it for the Fortnite Championship. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Peace.